Open your Bibles this morning to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with the 23rd verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word this morning and the testimony to the life of Moses. We ask, O Lord, this morning that you would take this testimony and teach us, ask that you take this testimony and equip us for a life of faith. We praise you and thank you, O Lord, for your gifts and the gift of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Life is filled with a variety of difficult choices. This morning we have to take a little survey and see where some of us would fall on these difficult choices. So just raise your hand for the choice that you believe you would select. Ranch or French? Ranch or French? Well, neither wasn't an option thing. <laughs> Coke products or Pepsi products or that frou-frou-flavored water stuff, a.k.a. healthy. So Coke products, Pepsi products, frou-frou water, healthy stuff. Okay? Ketchup or mustard or both. Ketchup? Mustard? Both. Wow. Got a daredevil bunch. Both. Cheer for the Vikings or Packers or other losing entity? <laughs> Vikings? Packers? How dare you raise your hand in the presence of the Lord? Thing, thing. Other losing entity? All right. Well, the... Those are the simple choices this morning. Watch another reality show or take time for prayer and meditation. We won't ask you to raise your hands. Save for retirement or update the furniture around the house. Say something to a family member about their behavior or keep to yourself. All day, every day, we are making choices. How does our faith affect our choices? You could say that your life is a buffet of choices. That's all life is. It consists of making choice after choice every single day. Well, does our faith make any difference in the choices that we make? Does it mean anything to be called people of faith when it comes to our decisions? Or are our decisions and choices just like anyone else who has no faith? Statistically speaking, it would be called a matter of fact that there is no difference 
between the choice of people of faith and the choice of people without faith. The statistics would tell us that people of faith, pretty much for the most part, statistically true, make all of the exact same decisions as people without faith. In other words, there's really no difference in the lives between people of faith and people without faith. That's what the statistics tell us. It's an interesting dilemma. In other words, faith really doesn't make any difference at all because everything in our life is choices. And if faith doesn't make any difference in our choices, really, faith doesn't make a difference at all. It's simply a choice we make for an hour a week or a couple of hours a week. This morning, we hear a testimony from this person named Moses. Most of us are probably familiar with this man, Moses. Moses is maybe the most famous Old Testament character behind King David. Moses is responsible for the first four books of the Bible. Some would say he wrote the first four books of the Bible. Others would say he wrote Genesis, and then he's the main character that's found in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so he takes a serious chunk, chunk of the Bible. There's a lot of information about him. Most of us are familiar with Moses, and most of us, when we think of Moses, think of the law. Moses is probably most well-known for the Ten Commandments. The Jewish people looked at Moses and basically called him a man of the law because he received the Ten Commandments from God and then proclaimed those commandments to the people of God. So when we think of Moses, most people think of the law. Moses had a vast experience in life, though. Moses started as a baby who was actually supposed to be killed. Now we've got to go back here to understand a little bit of what's going on. We left off a couple of weeks ago with Joseph. And if you remember, Joseph had been put in a position of power in a foreign land. So the Israel people, God's people, were beginning to live in this foreign land because of a drought that had taken place or a famine. Well, now Israel is still living in Egypt under the power of Egypt. And now there's more Israelites. The nation is growing, growing, and growing. But the nation of Egypt is basically putting the nation of Israel into slavery or basically controlling them. So Israel isn't a physical nation at this point. Israel, the people, have not received the promised land. Rather, they're a people group that's under slavery and living in a different land. Now, this people group is growing quickly. And so the leader of the nation says, whoa, these people are just, it's bountiful. They keep having more and more babies. So what does the leader do? The leader says we have to kill all children, all males under the age two. So any babies that were come, that were Hebrew, were supposed to be killed. Well, some of the women objected to the king's orders. They didn't just object, they just simply disobeyed the king's orders. One of those women put a young baby in a basket on a body of water and let that basket go down the body of water and then had someone watch that basket and then somebody grabbed that basket that had a baby in it. Long story short, the person who grabbed the basket was a person of power in the nation of Egypt. So now this baby, who had become to known as Moses, went from being supposed to being killed to being put in a place of power in the family that controls everything. Yet this man, Moses, as he grows up, has an option to join the family that's in power, but rather he chooses to go back to his roots and live with the Hebrew people. So he's mistreated 
At one point, Moses decides to stand up for some other Hebrews who are being mistreated. And as he stands up, Moses ends up killing someone who had been mistreating the Hebrews. After Moses does that, he has to flee, so he runs away from Egypt. And while he's gone, then we come to maybe one of the more famous stories of Moses. He runs into this thing called a burning bush. And in the burning bush, he encounters God, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph, the great I Am. In the midst of the burning bush and encountering God, Moses is told by God, hey, I need you, I want you, I'm going to have you do something for me. Moses, in the midst of all that, says, who me? I can't talk. What am I going to do in standing in front of the throne of the Great One? Tries to come up with excuses. God says, no, I'll use you. I'll put the right person alongside of you. You are my chosen instrument. So Moses then gets sent back to Pharaoh. Moses goes back and says, hey, God wants his people to be released so they can go to the promised land. You can about imagine how that request would go over. Someone coming to the king and saying, hey, release all of your free labor. The king says, no, I'm not going to release all of the free labor. God says, okay, Moses, we're going to put some famines, we're going to put hardship on this nation. So it goes through a variety of things. Maybe you remember this, Moses goes back and forth between God and Pharaoh, let my people go. If you don't let them go, there's going to be frogs, there's going to be locusts, all of this stuff. Long story short, The people are finally freed, but as the people are freed, Pharaoh goes back on his word, starts to chase after the people, and then it gets to the next famous part, they get to the Red Sea. They get to this body of water, there's a big army coming behind them. Now this is not ten people. This is not ten people being chased by five people. This is thousands of people, a whole nation thing, walking along, being followed by a great army. They get to this body of water, they're trapped. What does God do? God says to Moses, Moses, take your staff, put it out like this, I'm going to move the bodies of water, walk across the bodies of water. That sounds logical. You're going to take the Red Sea and create basically a bridge across, right? What happens? They go across the Red Sea, the army comes up to the Red Sea, the army tries to go across, God brings the waters down in the army, long story short, the people of Israel start to make their way to the promised land. But they don't get to the promised land yet, they still got to wander through the wilderness for many, many years. Moses is involved in all of this. You could say that Moses is the key character. He's the person chosen by God to lead God's people from being in slavery to the promised land. So when we look at the life of Moses, where the testimony we receive here in the book of Hebrews today, it doesn't focus really on those events per se. It rather gives a testimony of the choices that Moses made. The letter of Hebrews basically says, it says, Moses, a person of faith, did this. Moses, a person of faith, chose that. Moses, a person of faith, made this decision. We get a testimony about the decisions of Moses or the family of Moses. And so what we see is we see Moses is a continuation of God's people living by faith. And in Moses, we see an example or a testimony of what it means to make choices that flow from our faith in God. You could say that when Moses makes a choice, there's three things that are ringing in his mind. Those three things are the presence of God, the promise of God, and the purposes of God. To be a person of faith and to make decisions, we make decisions based on the presence of God, the promise of God, and the purposes of God. Moses made decisions and did things because he feared the living God and actually believed that God was alive rather than feared the living king who
who he could see. This is what we see here first in Hebrews chapter 11, is the decision that Moses' mother makes, family makes, is this. They said, you know what? We fear God more than we fear the king who's threatening to kill us if we don't kill our baby. So they're aware of the, Moses' family is aware of the presence of the living God. And they know that God is alive. They're unwilling to turn their backs on the presence of the living God rather than choosing the way of the king who they can see. Do we sense the presence of God enough that when we make decisions, we make decisions as though God is in the room with us? How many of you have ever taken a slight roll, a right turn roll through a stop sign? when no one else was present? One. Two. Well, I know Bjerke has. Thing, thing, right? You don't see anyone. You come, and come up to the stop. Nobody's side. You're going to roll through to the right, right? Now, how many of you are going to change your method a little bit if there's a highway patrol officer behind you? I'm assuming the majority. How many of you are not going to change your method? We need to talk afterwards. Thing. Right? Because the presence of the highway patrol officer changes everything. Now, I'm not comparing God to the highway patrol this morning. However, do we keep in mind the presence of God at all times? If there's something that we can learn from the other cultures that are gathered around us, and, and this week is a lot quieter, if you haven't noticed, than last Sunday, thing, and a lot calmer. Last Sunday we were worshiping with the International Outreach Ministries Church, and if there's a couple of things that I've learned from them, but one of the things that's really been touching, I think, is something that we can really grow in is this. They believe that they're actually entering into the presence of God. So as we're preparing for the joint service, you know, one of my comments to them was, hey, you know, it's middle of the summer, just to let you know, our people are probably going to be coming in shorts and t-shirts thing. You know, just let you know you can probably dress down a little bit for worship. Their response is always the same. We're coming into the presence of the Lord. We're coming into the presence of the Lord. How do I not wear my best? That's a little weird. You think you're coming into the presence of the Lord, literally? They believe they're coming into the presence of the Lord. Have you noticed that they're a little excited when they're here? And their prayer life is vastly different than the majority of our prayer lives. And we've spent a lot of time praying with them each week. I meet with Pastor Samuel and we pray and then spend other times praying with them. And it's vastly different. And one time I asked him, I said, your corporate prayer, I said, what's going on? You have people wandering all over the place. You got people shouting. And he just simply said, well, God is living and talking to all of the people. That was a little crazy concept. They're actually talking to a living God thing. Therefore, they don't know exactly how God is going to lead in that moment, so everybody's praying. Again, they have this concept of the living presence of God and that they're entering that presence. That changes a lot when you have in your mind that everything I'm doing is in the presence of God. When we make choices, are we making choices as though God is present? Because God is actually present. A person of faith makes decisions based off of the promise that God is present. A person of God also makes decisions based off of God's promises. And God's promises are always future-oriented. 
the great fathers of our faith actually never got paid. They never got to experience the promised land. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, they didn't get to experience the promised land. Moses doesn't get to experience the promised land. And with God, there's rarely a prepayment. With God, there's rarely a prepayment or a payment on our timeline. Yet, all of the fathers of our faith acted as though those promises were reality. They actually believed what God said. That when God said, we're going to give you the promised land, what did they do? They acted as though they had the promised land. They acted as though God was going to give them exactly what he said. Do we act as though God's promises are true? Would each choice that we make reflect that God's promise of an eternal kingdom is actually going to come and we're going to live in that eternal kingdom? Or do our choices reflect that here and now is all that we have? Moses had his sights set on the promises of God and rested in the presence of God. But not only that, Moses also made all of his choices to reflect the purposes of God. Notice, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25. Verse 25, he says, about Moses, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So on one hand, he's looking to the reward, he's banking on the promise, but on the other hand, he's trying to do everything according to the purposes of God. As evidence there with his thing, he doesn't want to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You see, Moses is concerned about what is the purpose of God, because when we're against the purpose of God, we're in sin. How often do we set aside the momentary pleasures because they're not of the purpose of God? Are we willing to set aside some of these things that in the moment, and maybe even a little bit longer than a moment, are nice and are fun, but at the end of the day, they are fleeting pleasures? Moses rested in the presence of God kept his eyes on the promise of God, and sought to implement the purposes of God. Very simply, it can all be broken down to this. And it, and it seems so simple, but at the end of the day, this isn't rocket science. This isn't some game of trickery. This isn't magic. Moses' choices and decision funnel can basically come down to one thing. All of his choices and decisions reflected the reality of God. Moses actually believed there was a God and acted as if that God is alive and if that God was going to deliver. What an absolutely crazy concept to actually act as if there is a living God. Moses knew the reality of God and did things in his life that reflected that reality. Faith for the majority of us, faith for the majority of us who have had everything we need for all of our lives, faith oftentimes becomes an academic acknowledgement that there is a God and some agreement with some general Christian principles. 
We say, yes, there is a God, there is a heaven. We say, yes, we believe that this is a good principle to live your life by, treat others as you would want to be treated. And we call that faith. That's just academic agreement with a set of principles. Faith is actually trusting in the presence and the promises and the purposes of God. If you were in the pool waiting for your young child to jump to you, and your young child would not jump to you, would you go away saying, your young child trusted you? Even if your young child said, yes, I recognize you are there, Father. Thing, You've got great ideas, Father, but I'm not going to jump to you. Does that child have faith? Or does that child simply agree in their mind what's going on? Faith is trust. Trust in a living God. This morning we look at the life of Moses and all we see is heroic moments. And it can be hard to, to compare ourselves to Moses because we don't find ourselves in those heroic moments. And for the most part, nobody in this room will ever have a heroic moment of faith. Nobody here in this room will ever be written about 20, 000, 20 years from now, 20,000 years from now for their faith. Very unlikely. You're not going to have a moment of heroism. But will you have a moment of faith? So many of us are waiting for that moment of heroism to exercise our faith. Many of us wait for that moment of death to begin to exercise that faith. I see it all of the time, dealing with families all of the time that have lost a loved one. They begin to try and exercise their faith. And as they begin to try and exercise their faith and they go through the grieving process, their faith doesn't help in the grieving process at all. Why? Because they never exercise their faith a moment before that time. And now in the biggest moment of their life, they're wondering, why is it no different than anybody else that's grieving? It's no different because we had not been people of faith throughout the whole process. If you're waiting for a moment to be a hero, to exercise your faith, it will not come. And your faith will make no difference in your life. When I was in high school on the golf team, our coach used to make us, when we were practicing, finish every putt. And it got a little bit old after a while. Think everything, if you were just even a ball length away, you finished the putt. Every single time in practice, you finished the putt. Well, you know what was weird about that is, Back in those days, I was a lot better putter thing. I used to make all of the short putts. Well, now you play and it's like, oh, I can make that, pick it up and go on to the next hole. And then when you actually get in the moment when you're playing with someone who's not generous thing and actually wants you to play the game and finish the hole, you got to make the putt, what happens? You miss the putt because you, you never went through the process of making the putt in practice and all of those little times. And then when the big moment comes, you never make it. Same is true in our faith journey. If we are willing to make choices that are informed by our faith in all of the little things along the way, when the big thing comes, it'll be second nature because we've been making choices all along that are informed by our faith. So today and this next week, as you decide between ranch and French, as you decide between the Vikings and the Packers. Forget about faith in those instances. 
But as you make the harder decisions, as you make that decision when you look at your bank account, as you make that decision when you talk to your neighbor or your coworker, as you make that choice about your next spot for living, as you make that next choice about where you will work, will that choice be made by faith, where you realize the presence of God, the promise of God, and the purposes of God. This next week, let it be said by, about us, by faith they chose. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you this morning for your patience with us and your kindness. We thank you that you have enabled us, O oh Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit to trust. And now we pray, O oh Lord, that your Spirit would create in us the ability to walk by that faith. We pray this next week, O oh Lord, in each decision that we face, that we would recognize your presence. We pray, Lord, that you'd enable us to trust in your promises. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you'd make known your purposes to us. God, equip us and empower us to do all by faith. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.